All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our very first bonus episode. We have Mike Whitaker hollering from Georgia, Henry Evingham coming from New York. Mike, how you doing this evening, my brother? No, I'm doing good today. I'm excited for this and waiting for new things to come with the kickout crew. All right, we're going to expand one episode at a time, brother. And like I said, we have Henry, Mappet Man Henry himself from New York. Henry, how are you doing, my friend? I say, you, you mean this isn't our show? This isn't Top Guy Theater? I'm part of the <laughs> kickout crew tonight? <laughs> you are our very first guest on our bonus episode, brother. I'm actually kind of flattered to be here. I look forward to the perspectives of, of the match that I picked tonight. Well, why don't you tell the nice people at home all about it, Adam? All right, so what we, what we decided to do was we let Henry pick out one match. And, of course, he picks out the longest match in wrestling history. He picks out the WrestleMania 12, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. It's a 60-minute-plus Iron Man match. And, honestly, one of the top five matches. I've, I love to watch it. I've watched it twice already. About to watch it for our third time. Um, Henry, why did you pick this one? Well, it, it came a little bit off the theme. Hold on just a second. I grabbed something for display purposes and I jostled my camera there. It, it came off a little bit because of a theme. Now, a couple weeks ago over on our show, Phil Jackson put together that Marathon Mania Madness I wasn't able to be a part of. And he was going through the WrestleManias they covered. And the way he did it with a random draw, this was actually one of the WrestleManias I liked. This is one of my favorite matches from WrestleMania 12. Arguably, I think it stands as one of Shawn Michaels' best matches. And I've never seen anybody try to cover the Iron Man match in long form from start to finish. So I figured, fuck it, why not give it a try tonight? That's all me. This is the introduction of uh, the whole, the whole boy, boyhood dream. The buildup of, I think this was Bret Hart's third championship reign right here. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I got a couple notes, and that's not the notes I need right here. Uh, basically, it was WrestleMania 12, 60-minute Iron Man match, you know, took place at the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California, March 31st, 1996. It's hard to believe it's been that long. I mean, WrestleMania 12, and then now we just got finished with, what, 38? It's hard to believe it's been more Crazy. than 25 years. And when's the last time we had an Iron Man match ever since this? Can y'all remember when the last time we had it was? Mm, not at WrestleMania, that's for sure. I, I have to take a guess. I think it was an episode of SmackDown, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, but it wasn't a 60-minute Iron Man match. No, I mean, you don't see this anymore, man. They did it way beforehand, but I think this is one of the last times they did it. But, uh, I mean, just an awesome, awesome match. You couldn't ask for a better match between two men. Uh, you know, basically, Iron Man matches, whichever wrestler wins the most falls in a 60-minute period, he's the winner, he's the champion. Before we start the match, I wouldn't mind giving you a little bit of background, but instead of me telling you about it, I'd much rather just go ahead and start the episode and just let y'all see the build-up, because they can explain it better than I can. So, um, works for me. You're on top time code? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and get your peacocks out. I think that's how they say it, get your peacocks out. Go that to, works. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, okay. My, my notebook just fell apart. You pee. All right, so let's go season 12, episode one. Wrestle, you know, first, we'll go to WrestleMania, Peacock out, WrestleMania. 
I think you actually have to go to the in-ring portion of Peacock. Does that sound right? You can also search WrestleMania in that toolbar for the homepage of Peacock. If you search out the specific WWF shows, you can actually find them a little bit faster. You then oh, scroll okay. down through that list, select season 12, episode one. And where are we starting, Adam? Uh, one hour, 25 minutes, and 30 seconds. You should see Vince McMahon staring at Jerry Lawler, whose frozen face reminds me very much of a Teletubby. He's kind of looking at Lawler very lovingly, too, if you notice that. He is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Jerry Lawler, I mean, where's, I want to know where uh, McMahon's other arm is, where his other hand is. Because his hand is under the desk and Lawler's right there like, hey. So uh, might be a little he, funny business there. He has a happy look on his face. <laughs> so I got the time codes ready. If you guys are ready, I'm ready. Let's get it on. All right. Three, two, one, play. Track it. I don't know who's going to win. Let's take you down, ladies and gentlemen, and show you some personality of this matchup. Two athletes, two men, one hour. For Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, this is what it all comes I down to. God, I Throughout that their bill. World Wrestling Federation careers, both superstars have traveled down similar roads. Ah. Through heart, determination, pure blood, sweat, and tears, both men have made it a point to simply be the best they can be. But now the question is, who is the best? Shawn Michaels. The 12-year-old boy from San Antonio, Texas, who had a dream of one day becoming the World Wrestling Federation champion. Trained by the legendary Jose Lotharia, the flamboyant and charismatic Shawn Michaels never stopped working to achieve his goal. That's insane. Sweating his way through the ranks for over seven years, through the good and the bad, Shawn Michaels continued to follow that dream. The dream that would eventually lead him to Anaheim, California, and WrestleMania 12. Bret Hart, the rugged technician, whose formal training came in a dungeon in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Under the guidance of his father, Stu, Bret learned how to methodically and technically wear an opponent down to the breaking point. For 11 years, Bret Hart has thrilled Federation fans, giving his all en route to becoming a three-time World Wrestling Federation champion the excellence of execution, and most importantly, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The best, the Iron Man, the champion. The first time ever, I can't really think of a whole lot left to say. Everybody knows the story. Now it's just time for the final chapter. Well, you know, for me, it's just the whole thing's finally coming to a head, you know. It's do or die, and, uh, you know, 60-minute Iron Man match, we're going to find out just how good Shawn Michaels is. I think everyone's going to see just how good I am. And I think uh, the way I look at it is uh, one man's sunset is another man's dawn. And tomorrow morning, I just want to wake up tomorrow morning with this. And some sunny days. terrible it was beautiful but that was terrible <laughs> i had to throw in sunny days because you know i mean it's throwback for people who know but uh how great is it seeing gorilla monsoon right here being being named as the president 
I'm WWF right here. Oh, that's pretty neat. This is actually my first time watching this match. And all never actually sat down and watched this match. I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. I've seen some pieces of it, but I never sat down and watched the whole thing. Oh man, they it's so I mean I've never been able to, to do a 60 man Iron Man match. I've been in 20 and 30 minute matches, you know, ladder matches, stuff like that. But I don't know about 60 man Iron Man match. That, that's that's insane. We'll take a workout on you, I guess. Now to me. The very first time I watched this, after I watched that backstory, and I see Jose Lothario come out here by himself, no Shawn Michaels. And we had Shawn Michaels' music playing. That's the best part. And Jerry Lawler is talking about if we were still listening to the audio, we could hear it about how it looks like Michaels is going to forfeit, and he sent out Lothario to do his dirty work to tell the commissioner that he's not going to be able to wrestle after all. But see, up through this, I mean, the past, what, six months, year before this, they have just put Shawn Michaels over and put him over, put him over. You know, him over Diesel, uh, Brett over Undertaker. And I mean, and who gets this kind of interest right here? This is insane, this entrance. Yeah, that is crazy. You remember a few I, years I, back? I, I, go ahead. You remember a few years back when that video started circulating on the internet when right, right around the time Rob Gronkowski had retired and he became the 24-7 champion about that saw Vince McMahon performing the stunts. I often oh, yeah. wonder, did he do this first? <laughs> I would love to see that. You have Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler commentating while he's coming down the whole time. Mm-hmm. Watch it get stuck in the middle. You sons of bitches, get me down. <laughs> this is not a funny rib, damn it. <laughs> he's got a family. In your time wrestling, Adam, do you ever see anything that fancy up close and personal? Oh, God, no. I mean, I wrestled in Alabama and Georgia, no offense, Mike, and living in Tennessee. And uh, there ain't no way you get me up on kind of some kind of cable like that. There ain't no way. If I'm what not if, walking mm -hmm. out, I'm not doing it. What if you were yeah, getting okay, Shawn Michaels' money? <laughs> if I was getting Shawn Michaels' money, I, uh, we'll leave that for another podcast. What I wouldn't, wouldn't do. <laughs> Where'd you say you wanted me, Vince? Up there? Okay. <laughs> How much did you say? Yep, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll do a feathers yes. on. I don't care. <laughs> and why he does a little, oh, there it is, a little Razor Ramon, a little old to Razor mm -hmm. right there. Uh, just, just a spectacle of WrestleMania back then compared to now, though. It's I mean, completely it's, different. See, this <laughs> kind of a setting, I feel like, is so much more, for lack of any better word, intimate yes. than what we see now. Now, granted, was... McMahon did try with the stadium show several times at WrestleMania in the past, and it never seemed to click. And I think his business started to downturn with steroid trial. He went back to things that he knew would make him money. Though, like you said, when we opened Adam, this is the first, even to my extensive knowledge of professional wrestling, this is the first time the World Wrestling Federation under Vince McMahon ever attempted an Iron Man match. And, and it's crazy now because you see WrestleMania is a two-day event. Four hour, three to four hour days, two days. You think now it stays just... that way? 
That's the thing. Uh, yeah, it, it will now because there's so many celebrities in, in intertwined in it. And right here, this is WrestleMania 12, and it's only it's not even three hours long. Monday Night Raw is longer than WrestleMania 12. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, when you stop and think about it, Monday Night Raw every Monday is longer than the first few WrestleManias, and yeah. it never hit me until now. That that is insane. You think we could track it for a second, Adam? Once Hebner starts talking. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. This is all you, brother. We're doing it for you. It was funny we bringing up Hebner and everything. I don't know if y'all got a chance to listen to uh, the RJ with with Brian Hebner. I don't know mm-hmm. if y'all heard Brian Hebner's retiring. Really? I yeah, heard about that. Was his announcement? Yep. He's retiring. So um, RJ was able to put together uh, four guests. It was Earl Hebner, um, another one of the uh, Impact referees, and then he got uh, Jimmy Corderas, and then he also got uh, Gail Kim to join the join the show today. I have to give that a listen. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 right it's, here, Adam. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Let's do it. Just hold the belt. Checking the equipment. Check it as equipment. That's great. Check his equipment. Gentlemen, this match is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. This is an Iron Man match. Iron Man. You'll be wrestling for 60 minutes. Wow. The man who wins the most decisions will be declared the winner and the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Hitman's cool. A decision can be earned by a pinfall, a submission, a count out, or a disqualification. You must, must break on the count of four. I will disqualify you on the count of five. If you leave the ring or if you're thrown out, you have a 10 count to return or you'll be counted out. Do you gentlemen both understand the rules? Oh, the hitman, ever Are confident. Are there any questions? No questions from either individual. Good luck to both of you. That's what it's about. And Bret Hart now surrenders the title to the official Earl Hebner. He just may be kissing that belt goodbye, McMahon. He might be. There's one thing, there's one more thing I want to right here. I thought this was neat. Never has there been so much anticipation for a championship matchup. The hitman traditionally going to the outside and making one youngster a bear. <laughs> In that case, that's his son, Blade. I Blade didn't know that was his son when I first watched this. Just last night, ladies and gentlemen. I had no idea that was his son. 60-minute 
Iron Man match for the WWF. The, mo the most beautiful, in my opinion, the most beautiful belt they've ever done. Warren, I love that belt. That's one. Ever said, don't you have this one, Mike? I do. I'm jealous. Mine's in kind of torn up shape, but it is not... autographed by Jerry yeah. Walber. Do you realize oh, the Anaheim Pond, uh, the Arrowhead Pond, I'm sorry, Arrowhead Pond and Anaheim. There we go. I'll get it right. It only seats 18,300 people. That just seems small for WrestleMania now when you think about it, when they're doing Dallas Wait. at 100,000 people, and here we are at 19,000. For Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. In Iron Man match. I mean, this... This could have done Nini Stadium in America, uh, Japan, uh, United Kingdom. I don't care. This could have sold out anything. Brett versus Sean, especially the way they were pushing Sean in '96. Yep. Both of these guys were at their peak in 1996. Brett Hart is such a mechanic in the ring. Like Sean Michaels stepped up his game right here. I don't, you know, he's used to the speed and. You know, of course, Shawn Michaels, he has the speed. You know, he's got the speed advantage. Bret Hart has the, you know, he, he'd come in the dungeon. Can you imagine anywhere else but the dungeon? I mean, if Bret could have come out of anywhere, I don't think he would have been half the man he, he could have been or would have been if he never went, went to the dungeon. No. I mean, that's where some of the best wrestlers in the world come from. You know, Bret, whatever Big Law did away from the mat, you know, that, that's him. But as far as in-ring competitor, Benoit, Jericho, uh, all the hearts. Uh, and I miss someone. Who am I missing? Mm. Oh, come on. His son wrestles for AEW. Then Brian Pillman going there, too? Yeah. Yes, there we go. Brian Pillman. I'm going to get cut on Twitter for that. But yeah, Brian mm -hmm. Pillman come out of the yeah the dungeon, and then it's so if you have Brett and Owen, you know the big debate is who's better. And I would love y'all's opinions, but as far as Brett and Owen, Brett is the better storyteller, like in ring storyteller. Owen is the better competitor as far as athletic and everything. So it's just depending on how you're talking, they're both. 1A, 1B in my book, just because of Bret Hart being such a great, great storyteller in the ring. Um, Mike, you know what y'all think? If, well, I got a question. If it wasn't for Bret being the top guy right there, what do you think Owen would have been? If Bret, Bret Hart wasn't right here in WWF at the time, do you think Owen could have been a top guy? Especially right after this, I believe he could have because it wasn't uh, too much longer because we're talking about 96. Right after this, the Montreal Screwjob, yeah. And then we got NWO right. forming two this year. Right after this, NWO started. I think Owen is better all around than uh, Brett, in my opinion. Andrew, what do you think? I think that question has two pieces to it. I'm going to answer the question that Mike asked first. I think right now in 1996, 
Owen Hart has good technical wrestling skills. I think if he's not in WWE, I could easily see him in WCW. I could see him being problem is I can't say I could see him being a top draw because of people like Hogan. But if my memory serves me correctly, I believe at this point Hogan had gone off to do something else temporarily. He was gone for a few months, didn't really show back up until Bash at the Beach when he formed alongside Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the new world order. The third man. It wasn't Mabel. With I was hoping Diesel, it was Mabel, but it wasn't him. Honestly, with Diesel and Razor Ramon leaving not that long after WrestleMania to go go to WCW and stick a spark plug up the ass of the wrestling business, so to speak. <laughs> I, I could easily see Owen Hart being a top guy here. I could see oh. him fighting Shawn Michaels for the title. My thing is that to go backwards, I, I'm not going to say that I think Owen passed his prime because I think even up to the last contract he signed with the World Wrestling Federation, which would have been, I think, 98. It was the last one he signed before he would ultimately lose his life in May of 99 over the edge. They talked about in the Dark Side of the Ring documentary, had that never happened. If we could go back in time, he talked to McMahon on a, forcing him to do that stunt and he survives the night. They talk about how Jericho is going to jump ship from WCW. So is Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. These are guys that he could have had great technical matches with. Kurt Angle is just starting to hit his prime in 1999. Even if Owen Hart was on the way out the door, Owen Hart could have possibly even been that transitional champion, kind of like Mick Foley was at the beginning of 1999 with, between The Rock and Steve I, Austin. But I honestly think that if he was ever going to get a title shot, an opportunity to be the top guy, it should have happened in 1994 at SummerSlam. Could you I, imagine Owen and Kurt Angle, though, the match Owen and Kurt Angle could have? That'd be a five-star match anywhere you go. God almighty, that would be such a great match. A lot of them. I mean, even, you know, Owen and uh, Benoit, uh, Owen and Eddie Guerrero. If they could have made defenses after SummerSlam 97, even Owen and Steve Austin. They would, yeah, they could have had good matches. I'll say Owen and Jeff Jarrett. I mean, I love that tag team. Owen could be tag team with anybody. He did it with Yokozuna, did it with Jeff Jarrett, and it worked with everybody he was a tag team with. He was just so versatile that he could he could do it all. The argument that I get from everybody else, though, especially in 99, again, this presupposes we wipe over the edge off the table and he goes to the end of a contract in 2001. He didn't really fit with the attitude era. Yeah, he could have a lot of great technical matches, and if we keep in mind that good technical wrestlers from WCW who are getting forced out because of the click, for lack of a better word, with Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and Eric Bischoff, and how WCW starts to spiral down the drain in 1999, letting that happen. Owen could get a lot of good technical matches out of people, but who's to say that he wouldn't have decided to jump ship before that happened? Because ultimately he didn't fit. He was one of the big pieces pre-attitude era that was one of the better wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the whole of the World Wrestling Federation. But he didn't oh, fit into the attitude era. I'm sorry, we're classy Freddie Blassie on the screen. It just seeing classy Freddie Blassie just just screams just ultimate wrestler to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead. 
Do, do you think Owen could have changed things around if he went to WCW in 2000, 2001? Like right before they shut down? I mean, you think it would have made any kind of impact difference? As long as he stayed away from Goldberg, I think he could have, yeah. Because I mean, it all takes that one person, that one moment for, I mean, it was Austin here with, with the WWE that kind of skyrocketed everything. You think if Owen would have went to WCW at the time, he could have done something there and changed the course of wrestling? Him and, and Brett going to WCW would have been great. What do you think, Henry? If both of them went in 1997, for the amount of money that Eric Bischoff gave Bret Hart to jump ship using the Turner checkbook, if they could have figured out how to use Bret, maybe. If because... Brett is Owen's or Owen is Brett's little brother, and Brett has a little bit of stroke because he's making just as much money as Hogan and Hall and Nash. It's possible, but I think, honest to God, that's a hard question to answer because part <laughs> of me, part of me, does legitimately think that he would have helped make an impact enough to sink the WWF in '97. Probably not. If he had jumped ship later than that. If you still assume that Bash at the Beach 2000 ultimately goes down the way it does and Hogan's out the door, Vince Russo did like the younger wrestlers and he was trying to turn the image of the company around. Owen Hart, well, a little long in the tooth by 2000, might have been the perfect poster boy for that. So he could have. The, the, the realistic answer is I suppose we'll never know because after AOL Time Warner merged with Turner, they were looking to get rid of professional wrestling altogether. I don't know that any Correct. one person, no matter how popular he was, even if even if Stone Cold Steve Austin had thrown the belt back at McMahon and said, fuck you, I quit, and walked back to WCW, I don't know that that would have made a difference. Did it have now, pre-merger? I got, Maybe, but I don't know. I got one thing. You mentioned something on here. You said um, WCW didn't know what to do with Brett. They didn't know how to work with Brett. Do you think it was just WCW, or do you think it had a lot to do with Brett himself? Because to me, and I, I'm just like becoming I, – I became a wrestling fan one year after this, uh, WrestleMania 13. That's when I became a wrestling fan, big time. Started, wa started watching all the time. I paid attention here and there, but started watching all the time. After the screw job and he went to WCW – it wasn't the same Brett from day one. I didn't see the same Brett Hart right there. So do you think it was WCW not knowing what to do? Or do you think it was Brett just not giving a shit and not, you know, yeah, just not giving a shit? Honestly, I think it could be a little bit of both. Because Bischoff's publicly said that it seemed like Brett Hart was lackluster. But look at the way they debuted him. He's the special guest referee for the match between Larry Zbysko and Eric Bischoff for control of WCW Monday Nitro. What right. kind of fucked up bullshit is that? Later in that same night, I, I don't think, what happens if later that same night, after Hogan cleanly beat Sting, instead of them trying to pass off the one, two, three fast count, Hart comes out and accuses Hogan of doing something shady insist right there on the spot that the two of them go up against one another. They wrestle for another 10 minutes. Bret Hart walks away the champion. See, I think that right there could have worked because 
what WrestleMania was it when um, Hogan came out for Yokozuna? WrestleMania nine. After WrestleMania nine. So I mean, it could have they could have kind of worked something out like that with it. I mean, hey, you know, I gave you that time opportunity. Now it's your turn to give it back to me. I don't know that Hogan would have done that because he probably would have looked hard in the eyes, stroked his Fu Manchu, and said, "That just doesn't work for me, brother." That doesn't work for me, brother. But they were prepared to. The build that WCW built into Starcade '97 took 15 months. It started at Fall Brawl '96, which is about six months past this WrestleMania, with the whole fake Sting thing. And he comes back out the next night, accuses everybody of turning their back on him, and he disappears and reinvents himself to the Sting that we see now today. Hell, he's been using that persona over 25 years, and it's the first right. time I actually, right, first time I've ever really thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> but they built that for 15 months with the idea that Sting was going to take down Hogan and take down the NWO. Could letting Bret Hart suddenly jump into that mix screw that all up? Maybe. But then again, if Hogan, if Hart comes out the good guy going up against the evil Hogan who's trying to take over the NWO or use the NWO to take over WCW, all of a sudden you got another big name from that big wrestling company up to the north that's not only coming in. He's coming in, and he's now your champion. But he's got name Correct. recognition, and he can go bell to bell with damn near anybody in your company because <laughs> most of the people that work for WCW at this point work for Vince McMahon, too. <laughs> yeah. You had, like, three that never, that didn't up until 2001, which was, what, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, Goldberg, and um, Raven, a couple of the guys from the flock, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, and who, which one of them can actually, I, I'll give DDP his credit. I'm a big, huge DDP fan. But other than him, who else could have hung, who could have hung with Bret Hart? 20, 30 minute match. Goldberg Sting. couldn't lead a match. Sting, Sting probably could have. Yeah. Sting Honestly, mm-hmm. it would be. Macho Man. Oh, yeah, but see, he come from WWF already, though. I'm just. Yeah, but just he was, an, by this point, he's part of the NWO, too. Yeah. Conceivably, it could work. But which one of the WCW originals could have hung with Brent, you know, not in and not out? Not out. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. Van Hammer would save WCW by beating Bret Hart for the title. Lodi. You can't forget <laughs> about Lodi. <laughs> Buff back. Or Glacier. <laughs> American males, America. Okay, I'm sorry. And Bret Hart super kicks the timekeeper. Oh, oh, he is down for the count. You know, I get that some of that's sort of uh, gimmicked, but that still has to fucking hurt. Oh, yeah, especially when you're not used to taking a bump. It, yeah, definitely. Now, we're, we're just 15 minutes into the match and they're sweating. You know, yeah, they're already you, down. You know, as much, as much as we make fun of him for other things that he's done, could Buff Bagwell have been a legitimate opponent for Bret Hart, night in and night out? You, you would dismiss that out of hand because of all the other things he's done and been a part of in wrestling. But he wasn't a terrible wrestler. He was actually fairly proficient and fairly technical and was good at his craft. It, as much as I want... As much as even I want to shit on what I'm saying, I mean, he was a WCW original. It does yeah. kind of fit. 
If his mom would have stayed out of the uh, WCW locker room, I think it would have been better. But his his mom drove his his name value down. And then him getting hurt, hurting his breaking his neck didn't help. Because I, I met Buff personally, and it was right after. It was during his addiction time. And we're not going to get started on Jeff Hardy and all that addiction stuff. I mean, that's I got a whole opinion about that. But just people with an active addiction, God, he super kicked the hell out of him too, man. Hard. But if, if Buff would have got hurt, I, I think he would have been a contender. He had the he had the skill, he had the look, he he had the the length. He could talk good. Dean Malenko could have mm-hmm. had a proficient match with him too, but by 1998, he was basically reduced to a jobber. Yep. Guerrero. That actually would be a sight to behold, as they now bring out the stretcher and they're taking a timekeeper out back. <laughs> I hope he didn't click the stopwatch before he got kicked. Ah, shit. We got to start all over again. <laughs> start. Wait a minute. We're well, all having to wait a minute. We, we're going to get your brother out here to keep time. I don't trust nobody else. Mm. Now, Vince McMahon would have left commentary. Let Jerry Lawler do it all by himself. Fuck it. I'll keep time. <laughs> Lawler could have talked this match himself. I mean, it's his commentary during this match, and he's, he's dogging Brett. During this whole match, and it's so funny. Dog and Stu, uh, Martha, uh, Susan, Brett's mom's name. What was his mom's name? Was it Martha? I think at one point during the introductions, he says something to the effect of Jose Lothario and Stu Hart could get in the ring and have a Jurassic Park match. <laughs> Jerry Lawler is just one of a kind, and I enjoyed meeting him last year, and I'd love to meet him again. So oh, he never actually held it? I don't know if you can really see it. He did actually autograph this belt. <laughs> oh, is that, that's the one I sent you, ain't it? I believe so. Yeah, because I sent you that one and then another one, I believe. This is actually oh. the first belt I ever got. And though it is beaten up and in rough shape, it is mine. <laughs> in, my closet, got, in my closet, I have a black strap. Fandu Belts version of the World Heavyweight title. Yes, that's what I was years. talking about. That eight mil. Yeah, baby. Things fucking I, heavy as shit. I love that one. It, I got that autographed last year by David Crockett, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross. And that belt's as heavy as Mike is. Go. No kidding. All right. <laughs> you know how crappy it was the day that I got lost in fucking Chicago? Walking around in a jacket. An 80 degree heat with that fucking belt in a square. I remember that. That was so great. Uh, So 20 minutes in. Oh, yeah, Chicago. I mean, I I can't wait to talk about weekend this year, too. I mean, I can't can't imagine what they got planned for us this year. You know, a thought occurs to me, and I'll ask you both the same question. Any other time we see the Iron Man match concept done, usually at some point before the end of the time limit, we've seen a decision, whether it be a pinfall, countout, disqualification, whatever. We're almost to the 20-minute mark of this match, and neither man has scored a decision. Now I, I haven't know, seen too many pinfalls. I'm mean, like a pinfall attempts by now. One of the arguments that people make against this match in particular, which I think is one of the reasons why I chose it, is that 
yes, it is a great technical masterpiece. And yes, this stands up, arguably, that the night on Monday Night Raw that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart buried the hatchet and made peace with each other. They both talk about this match as being their high watermark. And I don't disagree with that. The problem is what you're seeing is more WCW centric or more old Southern NWA style wrestling than it is World Wrestling Federation action. And you can kind of tell it looking at the crowd. Like there are some people this far in that are still kind of interested because like I said, this is a fantastic match. But doesn't it start to weigh after a while, especially from a fan perspective? When you're in a, you're in an Ironman match, you're a third of the way through. Nobody's gotten a decision. Nobody scored a ball. At some point, somebody has to turn that zero into a one to keep it more entertaining, don't you think? Yeah, or at least some some more pinfall attempts. And you see the transition yeah. right here from Brett to Sean, back to Brett, back to Sean. Sean's working that left arm, man. And if you'll notice, a little peek behind the curtain, if you'll notice, Sean works either left arm or left leg. And that's one thing you're trained. And you, when you're getting trained, you know, whatever school you go to, in American wrestling, you work the left arm, you work the left leg. Now, Mexico is different. A lot of them train to, right, to work the right arm and the right leg. But if you'll notice, watch any match, 99% of the matches, left arm, left leg, every time. Just something y'all look for next time you want to watch another match. I wonder why that is. That's just the way they're, that's just the way, as far as I know, that's the way it's always been. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind researching it and find out because that is a damn good question. But it's always left arm, left leg, left knee, left elbow. Work, you know, work left, feed right. And that's the way we were taught. Right. I was going to say, you're right-handed and you're going to, you know, work on that left arm, left, you know, left leg, stuff like that. That makes a lot so of sense, see. actually. Since if I'm looking at you, I'm right-handed to go work your left arm. Right. Because 80, was it 80% and, of people are right-handed? Right. I think, I think like one in 10 people are south, or what they call south paws or left-handed. Nope, my son's left. I don't know why. Nobody in my family's left-handed. My son, he's left-handed. I don't know where it comes Oddly from. Oddly enough, nobody in my immediate family was. My grandmother on my mother's side was left-handed. I always thought it was neat when I'd sit and watch her write something down. But if y'all hear anything in my background, I got a thunderstorm going on outside right now. And I got two little ones out in the living room. So can, can you thunder get that thunderstorm? I need that thunderstorm this way. It's 98 degrees right now. Dude, it, 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 was, it was probably like 95 degrees earlier today. Now I got the same thunderstorm coming through. So. That's That's shit, probably won't rain. It's unreal. Well, what's it up there right now, Henry? Before we started recording, I actually was trying to help somebody tear parts off a car in a junkyard. And we drove by. Now, where the junkyard's located up near where I am, there's a bank with a thermometer. And at that time about maybe an hour hour and a half ago now it was 92 degrees right now it is a balmy well hell the temperature went down it's 82 degrees i'd, I'd give money for 82 degrees right now it is great for me the thing that i don't like when it gets this warm is that a 90 degree day with dry heat i'm just fine at I won't want to go outside because I spend too much time out in the sun. I basically 
burn no matter what I do. But when the air gets thick enough that I feel like I could cut it with a knife and fork and eat it, I don't want to be outside anymore. Well, you're six foot five too, Henry. I mean, you're a foot taller than me, a foot and a half taller than Mike. So, I mean, of course you're going to get the heat before we do. You had to do that, didn't you, Pamela? You got, but I, I remember meeting you. I remember meeting you. You got that car, and I was like, my God, Henry, 6'5". That's what a guy he is. I, I still remember when we went to the airport to pick up Mike and Matt, and he'd been drinking that day on the way to Jacksonville. I, I don't believe stuck. that at all. I don't believe it. Don't believe I, it. <laughs> I, apparently getting stuck in Dallas does that to people. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he took one look at me when I got out of the car to give him the front seat, and all he could say was, fuck, you're tall. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> We was in my trailblazer. I remember that. My, <laughs> he was not supposed to get in the back. <laughs> the only time I'd ever seen any of you people in person was doing something like this. And normally I don't sit straight up and the camera doesn't see all that much, especially when there's nine or ten people in a room. I look shorter than I really am. Well, you had and this huge map behind you, too. You couldn't tell because you had America and, you know, South Africa behind you. And then here's Henry. So there's this big-ass map, and there's Henry. Then we meet him in real life. Jesus Christ, he is a big guy. <laughs> Which yep. I mean, I'm 5'7", so everybody's tall to me, so I can't say nothing. That's not true. Brandy was shorter than you. <laughs> I was right there I, with you, Adam. Yeah, I know. I remember, I remember Chicago meeting Mike. I was like, yeah, I'm actually taller than somebody. So we're, we're 25 minutes into the match, and he's still working at left arm. I mean, it's I don't know no Michael's. I mean, they slow it down, you know, and then they're – and if you'll notice, if you know when to look, they're talking to each other. They're calling everything in the ring. If you know mm -hmm. what to look for and when to look for it, you can tell when they're talking. Now, the longer a match goes, Earl Hebner talked about in the Dark Side of the Ring episode of the Montreal Screwjob, he talked about how the referee isn't just thinking for himself. He's thinking for the two competitors in the ring. The longer a match goes, right. especially one with a defined time limit like this one. I know you've only wrestled at him. You've never actually been a referee, to the best of my knowledge. How difficult does that get the longer this match goes on? Well, that's the thing. In the 60-man Ironman match, you know, they're, they're going over everything in the back. And this ain't Earl Hebner's only match. I mean, I'm sure he did two more matches before this. And like when I was listening to the podcast earlier, some of the wrestlers had their specific referees. And as far as I know, Bret Hart was big on Earl Hebner. So Earl Hebner must have been good at remembering this stuff. Trent Bret to say, hey, look, I want you in my matches. Because being a, being a worker and remembering spots, you know, we can talk to each other. You know, and, and of course, you know, they can pass stuff like if they're separate on one side of the ring or the other, Sean can kind of message Earl and Earl can kind of go message it back to Brent, vice versa. But I remember watching, it was a Brent Baker match. I can't remember who she was against. And uh, it was their, their head referee. And you could actually hear him, like audibly hear him telling Brent Baker, Hey, whatever, whatever her finish is called, I can't remember exactly the name, what the name of it is. But he was telling her, hey, do that move, do that move. I'm telling her what to do. So even up to today's standards, they these referees are keeping these guys in line. 
So it ain't just one, two, three. It's, hey, guys, we, we all still got 15 minutes left. Well, hey, don't forget about this. Plus, they're getting fed stuff in their ear from the back, too. So you referees figure, don't though, get no respect. They get no respect. You got to figure, though, too, in a match like this, as we see what I think is the first actual pinfall attempt of the match, they're stopping, too. If that for somebody like Bret Hart or Owen Hart or Shawn Michaels or one of the most famous matches that ever gets talked about is a Savage Steamboat match from WrestleMania 3. Oh, uh, yeah. Savage had like more than 40 pages of detailed notes how he how he saw the entire match in his head and put it down on paper to commit it to try to pull off the best match possible. Everybody always talks about the Hogan-Andre match because it was for the title. I'd argue that the best match of WrestleMania three was the Savage Steamboat match. And I'd argue that because of the attention to detail that Savage put into that match. I say that to say this, both Brett and Sean at this point combined have 20 years experience at WWF. You have to imagine that Hebner, though he's doing the thinking of three people, a lot of this has probably already been predetermined by the competitors in the ring, largely because this is a 60-minute match. You're, you're going to have to keep going until the final bell sounds at the end of the hour. Well, see, Brent's the ultimate professional, too, though. And I bet a lot of this, I bet, I bet willing to bet money, they did, like, certain spots. Like, hey, let's do this here in the match. We'll do this. We'll do this. But just me watching it, sitting like right there. They're talking. They're telling each other right there. Just They're calling yeah. out a lot of this in the ring. So what was their personal time? This time right here, what was their personal relationship at the time? Were they good? Were they hate each other? I, I, I don't they they had that. I don't remember a ref bump in this match. Yeah, I missed it, it was, out of the corner of my eye, but I didn't remember it. Yeah, it was just one little quick from the rut from the top. And I don't I don't understand the significance of it because it doesn't change anything. I mean He's not going to pin Bret Hart with a with a scoop slam or with a power slam. I wonder though if it was an unintentional right. accident, like Hebner accidentally got in the way trying to get out of the way. That's what looked like. To get hit. That's exactly what it looked like. He was counting them down from the top rope, and yeah. maybe one of them slipped or something. But yeah, it looks like it was. Yeah, he he's drawing his arm around. Yeah, I think I, it was accidental. In answer to Mike's question, I think if if memory serves me correctly that the relationship between Brett and Sean started to sour after this. I don't know exactly where, but I think these two were actually on good terms at this point. They were. It was somewhere right. in late 96, early 97, that that relationship starts to turn as Hart sort of becomes the anti-hero hero. Yeah, that the double feature there, it looked like Hebner actually got in the way by accident. I don't think that was something that they designed. And see, uh, as far as the camera work and everything go, Hebner was on the wrong side. He was actually on the hard camera side, and he shouldn't have been on that side. He should have been on the other side of the men counting them down. And I think that's what happened because Hebner shouldn't have had his back to the hard cam. And I think that's what may have threw that spot off because he was – I think Hebner might have been in the wrong position to see how he's facing the camera now. He should have been on that side of the guys when they were on that corner. But he was on the hard cam side, and I bet that's why he got hit. Which you got to figure again in an hour match, 
for the ref to only take like one bump, whether it's planned or not, you, you got to sort of expect that. Yeah, because I mean, that, there's a lot going on right here. I'm just lazy cover, you know, they're getting tired. But Shawn Michaels had that gas tank. Bret Hart's breathing a little hard. You can see his stomach going up down a little bit. I'll be honest. One of the things I like about this match versus the old school NWA 60-minute time limit matches, because most of those that I remember involve Ric Flair, even though these two's bleeding. I always felt like Flair went to that just a little too often. <laughs> like, for, for all effective purposes, after he broke his back, Ric Flair became sort of a showman wrestler. And bar right. none, he is on most people's Mount Rushmore as one of the best wrestlers to ever lace up his boots and step in a ring. I would argue to my tastes personally that these two also deserve a place on that same Mount Rushmore wrestling. Oh, I agree. And, and this match is a reason why I say, it. I mean, after this, Bret Hart has maybe a year's worth of wrestling in WWE because after at the end of this WrestleMania, he goes on hiatus for six months. He comes back, doesn't really fit into the fold real well, ends up becoming champion twice more, and ultimately loses the belt in Montreal, which we, we could talk that match to death. We really could. One of the reasons why I wouldn't even consider choosing it for something like this. <laughs> How do you think this match yeah. How, how do you think this match would have played out instead of making an Iron Man match like Pacific, them just going for an hour? I if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they went, it was 0 0 at the end of it, right? At the end of this match, in 60 minutes, it was they had to go into a, like a sudden death thing at the end. If I remember right. Out. Yeah, it was because Piper made the ruling while he was still the interim WWF president before Monsoon takes it over, which we saw at the right before the start of this match, that there had to be a winner. Bret Hart could not walk right. away with a draw. Somebody had to have the decision. So why not just make this a one match and then go an hour? Like, do you, do you think that would have made more of an impact or made the match any different? If they didn't say, hey, this is an Iron Man match, it's a regular match, and they wrestled for an hour and plus. The question then becomes, at the end of the hour, if you still have the draw, how do you determine the champion? But what I'm saying is they, they went to the first one at the very end of this, and this is my first time watching it, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It was one to zero, correct? Yeah, Samoa was one at the very end. They had the sudden death. Yeah, yeah. They had a sudden death match. So at, at sixty minutes, it was zero to zero. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why could they not have an hour plus match without it being an Iron Man match? And it just. I, I think just because that. of what it was called back then, it was always called Iron Man. Uh, they they called it going Broadway. You know, the, one of the lingos they used. God, hard no, I, no, I mean, it's you know it's going 60 minutes right now, no matter what. Yeah. If you did not know it's going 60 minutes plus, but it lasted 60 plus minutes, would you not feel better about a match like that instead of already knowing it's going to go 60 minutes? Uh, so, in other words, 
instead of putting a time cap on it, let's just say y'all have a match. And hey, the first person has a pinfall just happens to be at 61 minutes. Yeah. It, so it just lasts that long on its own, on its own time. That's how, that's how long. We're not putting a time code on it, but it the match goes that long. It happens to be 61, 62 minutes. Correct. Would that, that would not be, be in, like a bet? That would be intriguing as far as the crowd, because the crowd already knows we're going to be sitting here 60 minutes. Not putting a time right. code on it does make it a little bit more suspenseful. Right. And, you know, it's this is what Conrad says, you know, in Iron Man match, all you technically got to watch is the last couple minutes to know who's going to win. You know, so yeah. you're watching all this time. Right here. It could be anything. You know, it's going to go down in the last couple minutes. And we see it all the time. You know, this one was zero to zero. So a lot of times we have one to one or two to two, you know, in the last couple minutes, the last couple of seconds, then we get the actual winner. So, you don't have to watch the whole 60-minute match for it. So why put a Iron Man match on it if you're going to go that long? You know, I was, looking up the, I was looking up the whole Iron Man match and how many they've had. And what I found, per the Bleacher Report, they've had seven Iron Man matches. And only one was at WrestleMania. And, and that was, was this one. one. When was it? Yep. Just out of curiosity, when was the most recent one? Let's see here. 2009. I think John Cena was in one, was he not? Yes, he was. Right, let's see here. Takes absolute talent. A second person wrestling somebody they can't see for a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me. I uh, see here. Let's just go ahead. Uh, they ranked the they ranked the seven matches. Uh, Brock Lesnar okay. versus Kurt Angle, SmackDown, two thousand three. I remember number that. Six, number six was Triple H versus The Rock, Judgment Day, two thousand. Judgment Day. That sounds very familiar, don't it? Judgment Day. Uh, Triple H, Bill Wall, Monday Night Raw, two thousand and four. Uh, Kurt Angle, Benoit, Backlash 01, Cena Orton, Bragging Rights 2009, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, Raw 2005, and then this one right here. So 09 was their last Ironman match. Yes, we're talking 13 years ago. 13 years ago, yeah. It's been a while. They had a 30-minute match with the ladies, did they not? Was it Becky and Sasha? Had a 30 minute uh, Iron Woman match. Let's just take a look at the old Google Google machine here. And say, look, Sean was even back then in 96, the cell in the back. I mean, this mm -hmm. is before the him getting hurt, this him getting the casket and everything. <sighs> Brent's so good. All right, so I don't want a match. Hmm. Let's see how many they've had. Which I know, ba didn't Bailey and Sasha have one? That's what I think it was Bailey and Sasha or um, Becky or somebody did. Yep, Becky. Yep, one of the was, was Sasha and Bailey. 
Thirty minute Iron Woman awesome. match for the NXT Women's Championship. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, Bailey won that match. NXT Takeover, correct? Yep. NXT Takeover Respect. It was Brooklyn. That sounds about right. I I, I get to wondering something having listened to that. If I, I want to go back just a second. We're two years from Shawn Michaels taking a forced hiatus because of that accident at Royal Rumble 98 where he basically busted up his back at the Royal uh, in that casket match with The Undertaker. Say that doesn't happen. What do you think post-WrestleMania 14 looks like? Because I think mm. no matter how you do it, Austin still has to go over to WrestleMania whether Michaels is leaving or not. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, especially with Tyson there. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, he has to go over. Huh. Um, Damn, good question. I seen something. You know, and I seen something. I, I gotta find it. I'm gonna save it because there's a Bret Hart match. And, and right here, back in '96, these what these uh, rings? What those old Southern bumping rings? These are the hard rings. You can hear them bouncing oh, off of the mat in these damn rings. And they're still giving it every. I mean, we still got 18 minutes left, and they're giving it everything, man. Just the way Sean bounced off the mat, you know, just like right here. Mm -hmm. No give in this mat. It's mm, crazy. Uh, so, this it's, is before they changed the rings out of the mat. It's amazing to think that I'm probably going to catch heat for this. But it's amazing to think that this is the almost the peak of the careers of both Brett and Sean. Now, I am not by any means saying that Sean Michaels coming back at SummerSlam 2002 and then wrestling after that one, once they figured out, hey, I I'm not as hurt as I thought it was. Maybe I can do this again. And coming back and wrestling till 2010 wasn't good Sean Michaels. But to me, right. that's kind of a... There, enough of a gap in time goes by between 98 and 2002 when he comes back that you could consider those two distinct things. Of younger Shawn Michaels, who started the AWA and would stay with the WWE through his retirement in 2010, a second retirement. <laughs> this is vintage and peak Shawn Michaels, I think. Yeah. I was a big fan of the Rockers, though. And then him turning on Marty Jannetty and throwing him through the barbershop window as one of them. I just remember that like it was, for some reason, him throwing him through the barbershop window just sticks out in my mind. And just you know that what? arrogant Shawn Michaels, just I was like, yes. I mean, I was just, I was a fan from, of him from then on. Always have been, always will be. Just, I just remember that barbershop window just so, so distinctively. And it was so great. Peek behind the curtain, there was a second match I almost chose that also had Shawn Michaels in it for some of that same imagery that you just described. SummerSlam 2005 is one and only match against Hulk Hogan. Now, I know what most people are probably thinking, but 2005, Hulk Hogan really couldn't wrestle anymore. That's not why I would have picked that match. There is a, a storytelling element in that match that reminds me so much of what you just described with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty when especially there's a promo that Hogan cut or that Michaels cuts on Hogan where he says he's going to kick his teeth down his throat 
even if he's got to go to his house first and get him out of the glass. <laughs> 2005 Hulk Hogan is not the same 1985 Hulk Hogan, but they told a good story going into that match. And even if you didn't like either one of them, at least to me, that story invested me. I wanted to see whether or not. Now, before it came out that Hulk Hogan was not so nice of a human being, I, as a child, mm. ah, Jose Lothario just took a bump. I, I, as a child, was a big fan of Hulk Hogan until he turned and became evil, and then I hated him, and then he came back at WrestleMania 18 in Toronto, where he'd never been a heel, <laughs> and that whole dynamic didn't fucking work. Like, he's supposed to be the bad guy, but not in the WWF. No, especially against The Rock, nope. But but I really like Shawn Michaels, too. And I, I don't know. There, to me, there was just something about that match in particular, even though they never wrestled again because they apparently couldn't fucking stand each other. No, they could not stand each other. And the fact that yeah. said Hogan's going over pissed Shawn Michaels off to a T. Uh, they were talking about that last week with Mike Yoda. Shawn Michaels did not want to put uh, Hulk Hogan over. In, in reality, though, can you blame him? Because no, Hulk Hogan was sort of a, uh, what do you call it? Was sort of like an attraction piece. You yeah, knew exactly full well he was going to wrestle every week on Raw or SmackDown. They were never going to make him champion unless they did it transitionally. It, right. It, as big of a dick as Shawn Michaels could be, I kind of get it here. <laughs> Yeah, because he's there night in and night out. It's like, okay, well, Hulk Hogan wins. Now what? You know, what happens? Mm -hmm. Because we're here. We're the ones that's here every night, every week. You know, go, oh, man, there. I see live rounds right here. But uh, they're, I'm, I'm the one here every week. So why am I losing to a man that comes in once or twice a year? I don't why understand. Why can't you pick and somebody else that's big and let Hogan beat on them for a while? Exactly. And Shawn Michaels carried that match. I mean, I'm a huge Hogan fan, as big as anybody. But Shawn Michaels carried Hogan in that match. There is one thing I wonder. Get off a little off topic here for a second. We still got about 13 and a half minutes left in this match. There were two matches that everybody always talked about they wanted to see. One of them was Sting Undertaker. And I'm still a little salty that we never got that. So, to be fair... In 2021, that match would not have gone over nearly as well as it would have when the, both men were in their primes or at their peak. And Hogan agree, Austin. Oh, yeah. Like Those Hogan and Austin great. both publicly said they never got along well enough with each other to trust one another in the ring. Can you imagine what it would have been like, say, 1999 as the NWO starting to die out? All of a sudden, it's one night, Hulk Hogan comes back, whether he's still in the black and white or the red and yellow, like he was in the WWF in the 90s, and challenges Austin to a match at WrestleMania for the title? I'd rather see him black and white Hogan in Stone Cold because I, I don't I don't want to see fan favorite versus fan favorite. I want to see the the bad, the dirty Hollywood Hogan versus the rule breaker Stone Cold. That's what I wanted to see. I mean, but to be fair, Austin really wasn't a fan favorite. He also wasn't really a heel. The Attitude Era blurred that line enough that Austin was the anti-hero hero. And a WWF audience would never have seen Hulk Hogan, even in that NWO black and white, as a heel. Mm -hmm. just... It wouldn't happen. 
<clears throat> See, and I was there. Actually, I had uh, the show with you guys on Top Guy Theater for the Best Speech 96. Because I was there at the time. And, you know, the fan reaction there for him turning heel, it was, it was something crazy. It was out of the world. They cut it out of the pay-per-view, but I imagine if somebody looks hard enough, they can find the original and see it. At one point, Kevin Nash actually steps out of the ring. Somebody tries to jump the barricade and attack Hogan. Yeah. Like, there are people that will share that gif on Twitter of that old lady poking Hulk Hogan in the chest. Mm-hmm. Which, again, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was insane. But, but a WWF audience had never seen him that way, and I just... WrestleMania 18 kind of plays that out. They went to Toronto. Hogan is the leader of the NWO. He's supposed to be a heel. McMahon is trying to poison his own company with a thing to put WCW back on the map and at the number one slot. He comes out, and the fans don't want WCW heel Hulk Hogan. They want the same Hulk Hogan that wrestled the Ultimate Warrior in that same building in 1990 for the WWE title. Yep. And actually, if I'm not mistaken... I read a thing where it said that when Hogan lost there, he wanted to turn heel at that time. Like, he, he had the Hollywood Hogan, like, personnel in him then. And at that time, he was thinking about turning heel, but Vince didn't want him to. Vince said it never worked. It, did Vince right. not pay any attention at all to the people around him? It worked for, like, two years in WCW. <laughs> But I think it was it was pre NWO. I think it was like ninety three when he wanted to, wasn't it? Ninety three, ninety four. How oh, they they mm-hmm. started they started off. He wins the title from Yokozuna after Hart drops it at WrestleMania nine because he's supposed to be champion for the European tour. That by the time they get to, we've passed King of the Ring ninety three, and surprise, Hogan's not the champion anymore. Fuck you, Bruce Bridgert. <laughs> yeah. Who booked this shit? All right, so we're down to what nine minutes, and Shawn Michaels is not only breathing hard, but he's, he's holding on to, and he's holding Bret Hart's weight on his back. And Bret Hart slowed his breathing down. You can see his ribs and stuff. He slowed his breathing down, so he's got a little bit a left. Shawn and Shawn's got his second wind right here, third wind. And poor old Hebner, he's about to die. It's amazing to think that between the NWA and WWE before he went off to other places after he got fired in 2005, this man was a referee for, call it, 30 years between two of the biggest companies and the NWA in the country. Because by the time he left to come to come up north to play with Vince, I don't quite think Jim Crockett had gone under. They were close. But by the time yeah. he jumped ship in January of 88, Jim Crockett is hanging on by a thread. Turner yeah, doesn't be- own the company yet. But- yeah, because David uh, David Hebner was the referee, and they did the whole twin referee swap, the swapo. And I can't remember who the, the commentator was, but they said somebody had paid a lot of money for, for plastic surgery. It looked like Earl Hebner. It looked like David Hebner. And I can't remember who it was that said that, but I got a kick out of that. Okay, Jesse might have been Jesse Ventura. It's amazing to think that it's been 35 years since that match. Andre the Giant still holds the WWE record for shortest reign as WWE champion, officially being recognized as champion for 45 seconds. 
And he's the only one that ever hmm. sold the belt. And he ain't, ain't he the one that ever got the belt bought off of him? As far as I know, yeah. Why can't we do that with the money in the bank? Like, hey, man, I'll give you this amount of money. Give me that money in the bank briefcase. I can see it working. Right? Because Ted DiBiase's been retired for 25 years. Exactly. So where's money, where's really money Mike, can you need? Well anymore. Gosh, we got seven minutes, 40 seconds left. Still no falls. And they're still hmm. giving in 100% in this ring, man. You know, as, no good more as, this, as good as this match is, and arguably between Brett and Sean specifically, this is their best match they ever had together, I think. I don't yeah. think this is his best match at WrestleMania. Bret Hart specifically, I mean. I, I would honestly go so far as to say that not this match, at this WrestleMania where he's the main event, but the next year where they pull off the Hogan, or yeah, the Hogan, Hart double turn, yeah. <laughs> not Hulk Hogan on the brain now. The Steve Austin Bret Hart double turn <laughs> with Ken Shamrock, I think is arguably his best match at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And that that match right there is where I became a fan. Like, I remember I was staying at a friend's house that, that weekend. They had the pay-per-view. And I came out to watch the pay-per-view, but I wasn't big into wrestling. I, I watched it. But when they came out and they, they started working and they started wrestling, I was glued to the TV. And from then on, I was a wrestling fan. Like, that's the match that brought me. Actually, I was the I was the biggest Hogan fan. I had the poster, the twenty four inch Python poster that everybody had over my bed. Had my Ninja Turtle blankets, my turns Ninja Turtle. So Ninja Turtle, Hulk Hogan, growing up, I was doing the poses and everything. Man, just I was did a you Hogan ball fanatic. up that poster and throw it away after he jumped ship to the NWO? I didn't have it back then. I was a teenager <laughs> back then. I was going on thirteen. I was going. I was a, I was Stone Cold fan by then. Or Shawn Michaels fan. I, I wasn't allowed to watch it back then. Like when I when I was a kid growing up, like that's before I had that cable in my room, everything else. Like I wasn't allowed to watch it. So if I watched it, it was at a friend's house. I think I'm the youngest person here tonight, which is kind of weird. Because normally yeah. I'm not. I fall somewhere yeah. in the middle or toward the lower end of the spectrum on my show. But I'll be 38 in June. In July. I'm sorry, I'll be 38 next month. How old are you, Whitaker? I am 38 now. I'll be 39 in uh, October. I'm 32. <laughs> I don't know. Look at it. But I, I remember watching a lot of this stuff with my dad when I was six, seven years old. I didn't completely understand mm -hmm. a lot of it, but th this was one of the things that we bonded over. It was something he enjoyed, and it was something I got to where I enjoyed. But I, what brought me back into wrestling and what ultimately led me here was – I had fallen out for a while. I'd gone four or five years ago up to Buffalo, New York for a WWE live event. I got almost mm -hmm. ringside seats. And I remember two things from that night. I got to heckle Paul Heyman, which made me the happiest fucking person in the world. Oh, I bet you ain't My, my group of people that went with me that were wrestling fans, as I'm doing that, just kind of like, what the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> Oh, I bet you ate that up, Paul Heyman. Oh, man, I love that. I remember there was a six-man match to end the show. It was Chris Jericho, Triple H, and one other person on the team. And I don't even remember who the other three were because of one of the things that happened in the lead-up to that match. 
So we all we've all seen Triple H come out to the ring and do that thing where he spits the water. On this particular night, he threw the water bottle in my direction. Now I am not sitting ringside. There, you've got the rows of seats around the ring. You have and seats back on the ice at the Key Bank Center, off to the side, still forming a square. We are sitting there. This dude that is sitting over here from me, I can look, almost look him right in the eye. When he throws that fucking water bottle out of the crowd, guy gets up, tries to do a one-handed Odell Beckham-esque catch. It glances off of his fingers and hits that plastic that they put up to keep the, to keep the pucks from going into the crowd when they play hockey games. The sound of that sounded like a gunshot going off inside the arena. <laughs> but I, after that, I purchased the WWE Network and started to watch some of the old stuff, but I kind of fell out of it again. And it wasn't until WrestleMania 35 I got back into it. Now, mind you, the only reason I'm interested in WrestleMania 35 is because of the all-women's main event. I don't know anything about the stories, characters, not a damn thing. I go into this pay-per-view cold because the main event sounds interesting to me. You picked an eight-hour wrestling or WrestleMania to go to back in. I didn't realize WrestleMania had gotten that long since last time I'd watched it. Because <laughs> last time I'd watched it in like 2007, I remembered it being like three and a half hours long. Like no shit, I turned down the pay-per-view, saw the WWE title match. I'm like, women's is it 12 What the hell's going on? <laughs> women's main right? event's going to be next, and this was at like 8:30, and then it kept going and going, and I got to work the next morning. And it keeps going. <laughs> And finally, it gets to be midnight. They're starting the introductions. And I'm like, I should go to bed. Fuck this. I've lasted this long. And I'm here now. Yeah, that was actually the first two not WrestleMania, if you think about it. Yeah, because it went until almost 1 o'clock the next morning. Exactly. But we're getting down now. And you can see them start to get more desperate, looking for that first pinfall. Because we are now at the two-minute mark. If somebody manages to get a pinfall now, they're going to win the match. And, and he did that little power bomb, and he had a he had a, at least a two count, and, and didn't pin yeah. him at all. He got off of him. He, I seen that. I was about to say something about that one because he hit that good power bomb, and he just dropped him. Like, yeah, I got this. See, they're they're calling it right now. They're they're still talking. A minute and a half left. They're still chatting. Yep. Like you can see the tempo from the crowd. Like at the 15 minute mark, it seemed like they were mostly dead. Crowd's getting excited now. You yeah. talked about suspense. Nobody's managed to get a fall yet. We're still waiting for that first fall, and we are now almost 59 minutes into a 60 minute match. So, and that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if we did not have that time clock right there, and this match happened. Would you not feel a lot different? Like, you'd be on the edge of your seat. That entire after time. 30 minutes. Waiting for that fall. I mean, waiting for that one fall. Because it didn't matter how many falls. If you had that one fall. But this match lasted this long. You'd be on the edge of your seat the whole time. See, I like, I like putting an hour, an hour on it and saying we have an hour. If you're going to have two, three falls in the match. But if your whole idea is not to have any fall, why put a time limit on it to begin with? Now, if you're going to have, exactly. I mean, it's exciting if it's two falls, three falls each. Then we can do a time limit, but not here. There's no sense in it. 
you you converted me, Mike, and I appreciate that. Now, now you see here as we get into the final 10 seconds, it looks like Hart's going to win. It looks like Michaels is going to tap out. And then three, two, one, the bell rings. Bell rings. Hart brings the hold. He thinks he's won the match. But see, now usually right here, it might be like one and one or two and two. And right there at the last second, that's when they would tap out or that's when they would get the pain or something would happen. You want to track this right here? For a minute, yeah. 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 Monsoon's just like, wait just a minute. Even I got to give him credit, McMahon. That's gone the full 60-minute time limit. But I'm not... Gorilla Monsoon, is it going to end like this? What a match. Does we start the match? Does it kind of give away who wins The 60-minute time limit has expired. However, this match has been ordered to continue under sudden death rules. Oh, he's yes. There must be a winner. That was what he ordered. Sudden death rules. That's right. We didn't have a winner. We just didn't have a loser. And Bret Hart, as well as Shawn Michaels, agreed to those terms. But now, all Bret Hart has to do, I believe, is finish <laughs> off Michaels. Gorilla Monsoon would have been a conversation there. But meanwhile, Michaels writhing in pain. Michaels was hanging on by a thread. Who knows how long he could have, it was a miracle that he hung on and did not submit to that extraordinary maneuver applied by Bret Hart. Here we go. I can tell you right now, Bret Hart does not like this decision and he- <clears throat> And I'll track it back yeah. here in just a second when he wins. That way we can hear about the boyhood dream. And if y'all, if, if that's cool with y'all. Works for us. No, that's cool. Oh yeah, that works. So right, like I said, I wasn't watching it here. Was. Uh, Bret Hart, a heel or a face at the time, right here? Uh, he was more of the face. Shawn Michael was the pretty boy. But at the same time, I mean, Bret did these little things. Well, I mean, it's kind of. But Bret does these little things like a little forehead stomp, uh, just these little heel tactics. Bitching at Monsoon about Henry starting the match kind of fits that heel vibe, too. Exactly. Throwing the belt right. down like you're mad? Yeah. Right. right. I, I know he turned one year later he heel, but with that right here, would this not have been a good time to turn him heel and have him, uh, you know, a couple months or, you know, what have you as a heel, Brett, because of this right here? Go against the company, go against, you know, the president of WWE. restart the match and stuff. Yeah, that would have been a good time. So he just, Bret Hart, uh, their selling is amazing. <laughs> Both of them, amazing. Yeah. The, the one thing that bothers me, though, is why is Hebner counting? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you, if you look at it from Bret, 
Well, if we're you on sudden death right what? now. So there's no point of counting them both out since we're on sudden death. So no point of counting them both out. That's fair. Because you'd still have that same draw. Go. One, two, two three. three. Go ahead and play it. Is that Miro? That looked like Antonio. A lot less hair. Shawn Michaels winning his first ever WWF championship. And I the, I think that would have been a perfect turn, Dan, for a heel right there. Come out right now. As lights going, damn fireworks going, come out with a chair, boom. Hit him with a fucking chair. Done. <laughs> oh. And then this is my first time watching it too, so. That's my I favorite. What it was that he said to Brett that right before he stormed off. I've often wondered that. I think he was legit pissed off. He looked legit pissed off. Because somebody even threw him at the Canadian flag, and he just took it and threw it back out in the crowd. Like, he pushes I think off he was Hebner, and you see him leave the ring, too. I read somewhere once mm-hmm. that Hebner basically was told by Michaels after he put the belt on him, get the fuck out of here, this is my moment. Well, you saw. Uh, mind him. you, you never really see the referee hang around long after the end of the match, anyway. But well, you seen Earl right. tell Jose Lothario to get out. That way, he can have his moment of getting presented the belt. Yeah. And this starts the whole arrogant heartbreak kid. Was do you know who gave him the heartbreak kid moniker? I don't. Was that not Kurt Henning told him to use that. Ah, I did not know that. This is the 
That was when. Well, that's when him and uh, Sharon Martel was together. Okay. As you know, Sean's got to pose. Sean must pose. He's going to do it all for him. <laughs> Fuck you, Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Sean must pose. I wonder if that was organic for him or if he took that from Hulk Hogan. Oh, he took it from Hogan. He did. Back here, Sean, Sean was a dickhead back then. He's going to do anything he could to get himself over. Screw everybody else. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If that's me, I would use the hell out of it. Look, I'm making your company millions. If I want to be there, Damn right. I'd probably have done the same thing. I don't blame him. Yep. I mean, this, this, is, they, they this is back when I back on wrestle. I loved it. That was it. Sean must pose. I'm sorry, Henry. Go ahead, brother. It was weird when they showed the, the panning of the crowd shot a second ago. They never bothered to update the scoreboard. <laughs> Look at that. Even goes out and shakes the hands of Stu Hart and classy Freddie Blassie. Wow, and Brett's kids. Yep. I forgot about that. Now we're seeing all well, the other things from this WrestleMania. <laughs> right? Oh, the gold, they, golden Cadillac. Yeah. I forgot. That was awesome, wasn't it? I forgot about that. Hmm. Yeah, I've watched all that shit, Earl. That was fat gold dust. Mm hmm Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first <laughs> bonus episode of the Kickout Crew. All right, Henry, Henry, what do you think, man? What do you think? How'd you, I, how'd you enjoy it? I'll be perfectly honest. I have a very hard time sitting through this particular match for WrestleMania 12. Mostly because it's a 60-minute match with no falls. I really didn't know how this was going to go. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. I enjoyed this match. Being able to look at it from a different perspective, both from a fan's perspective like Mike and mine, and being able to look at it from the in-ring perspective of somebody like Adam actually made this match, personally to me, a lot more enjoyable than I thought it would be when I initially suggested it. I had a damn good time. I wouldn't mind doing this again. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to do it, what, twice a month, probably? Yeah, we'll do it two three times a month. We'll see what, what happens, what the fans like. No, just let us know. Yeah, this breaking, Henry, breaking I, the matches down is my favorite thing to do. I love breaking these matches down, which we didn't break it, a whole, break it down a whole lot, but still, this is my favorite thing to do right here. Right. And and that's what Adam does. Adam, Adam's the break it down, man. Break it down. So... Henry, you want to give a shout out where uh, anybody can find you, what you do, how you know, anything else you got going on? Put your other well, shows over. Well, thank you, Adam. I actually yeah. am part of the second show alongside Adam from Bama called Top Guy Theater. We can be found anywhere you enjoy your listening podcasts. We are also available on YouTube, both in our original format with former show host TJ Stevens 
and our new ringleaders, Frank Bruno and Mr. Phil Jackson. Not, not, not the legendary one. This one's kind of bald. Reminds me a little bit of Vin Diesel about the muscle. Um, we do our shows every week. We are constantly looking for guests. It was a matter of fact, Adam coming back so much and being a guest with us that led him into a co-host role with us. And I'll be honest, my friend, I'll take a second to put you over. I, I enjoy working with you as much as I do. You are good people. And you lend a unique perspective that none of the rest of us have. You're an asset to the Kickout Crew. You're an asset to Top Guy Theater. We drop our shows on YouTube every Friday at noon. I'm in charge of what you sort of what you see in terms of a format for each show. And I typically drop the audio version a little earlier than Friday at noon because that is also my personal Delaware. I can be found on Twitter at HenryWE3. And if you're looking to join us for an episode of Top Guy Theater, shoot me a DM. I, we'd be more than happy to try to get people on. Because it's very much so. It, it was a whole idea of Top Guy Theater that led me to meet some of the more, some of the, and now, now I get tongue tied. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Never was good at self promotion. <laughs> You're going good. You're well right there. <laughs> They say that's the thing, though. You know, we all we all pay do the pay window thing. We're all different tiers. I pay the money, and I don't even listen to most of the podcasts. I do it to keep in touch with you guys. Now, that's my main thing, and I'm. I mean, it, it's that means more to me than any of the podcasts I listen to. That's a shoot, that's brother. It. I'll be honest. Eric Bischoff will always have a special place in my heart, and I do want to check out Mick Foley's and William Regal's because I love their in-ring careers. Yeah. But I I love the ability to do this. I like to be able to interact with others. And despite my weird looks because of the different colored hair, I don't, don't mean to overly toot my own horn here, but I think I'm getting damn good at what I do. Hey, I'll put you over in a heartbeat, man. You're thorough. When we get the run sheets for Top Guy Theater, I mean, he even the matches we don't talk about, he still adds them, and he's still thorough with every, the whole damn show. I will put you over on that on that one, my friend. I appreciate that very much, Adam. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Mike, you got anything, brother? Um, no, I'm just hey, I'm here. Join us, you know, at the kickout crew. You can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Gmail, find us on any kind of podcast and YouTube at Kickout Crew. We got me, we got Adam from Bama, and I'd like to thank Henry as a special guest, our first special guest on our first bonus episode. Thank you very much. Uh, before we, working before we cut out, I realized I, I, I forgot something important. You, you, you can also follow our show, Top Guy Theater, on Twitter, at Top Guy Theater. We are available on multiple platforms, including now iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. I realized I forgot that and I didn't want to leave it out. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, you're out there. So definitely follow Top Guy Theater. Give them a shout. Let them know. Check them out. They're great, great podcasts. I've been episode two or three times, maybe. Adam, he's a regular on there as well. He's our newest host. Two pod. Adam. <laughs> yep. Two pod Adam right there. We got it's going to be three pods soon. You never know there. I'm at Whitaker1028. I am uh, Mike's Meat Minute on the Kickout Crew. So, you know, hit us up. Hit Adam. What's your uh, Twitter handle? 
I tell what you what, that, that's the best minute you'll ever get out of Mike. I don't care what you say. But that's uh, what they all say. <laughs> there you go. That's how we do it down the South, baby. But you can catch me, Adam underscore from underscore Bama. You know, just Facebook, Twitter. Hit me up. I'm all about talking wrestling, talking, talking shop. Give me a holler. Hey, we'll talk about it, brother. Thank you so much for coming in, Henry. Amazing match. Thank you. It's both an honor and a privilege to join you, gentlemen. Like I said, I look forward to hopefully doing it again soon. Oh, yeah, 100%, because I always love your input, brother. And I'm sure we'll be chatting here the next day or two, guys. Thank you all so much for joining us. And hope we get to do this again here pretty soon. Awesome. Boom. Peace.